Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is the Toffee Web Podcast. Lacore for Sims. This is good from Sims. It's great from Sims. And a Sims sent up the bench with a jump to do. And he's only got to done it. His first Everton goal in the last minute of the game has made it Chelsea 2, Everton 2. Yeah, 100%. Um, it's a great occasion to do it. Uh, Equaliser. Um, delighted for the team as well. Um, massive point uh, against a tough opposition. So, yeah, we're delighted. We made up. Come on, I want more than that. How do you feel? First Premier League goal. Delighted. Honestly, I can't put it into words. Um, I've been working hard ever to come up with this uh, and it's like a dream come true really to score my first Premier League goal. You speak about producing moments, big moments like that that earn you points and, and crucial points as well. How much of a confidence boost will that be for, for Ellis and the, the entire group? Well I think what it is it reinforces all the work you know you've got to remember I see the work on the training ground I, I see the detail you know and it reinforces all them good habits and how the team are operating and you know, fantastically followed again with our fans. You know, I can't think of enough. They've been brilliant for us so far. You know, question marks around the club and all that. When I got in, they've pushed everything aside and just cracking on with the team. And that can only connect more. You know, when the team, uh, sorry, when the fans come down in their numbers, they see a team going, you know, there's no lack of players there giving everything. And now they're finding some quality moments. And that, that's an important factor. You know, their mentality towards the team and the team to them. And I think that's growing all the time. And that's another important factor of the many.
Hello Blues, welcome once again to the Toffee Web Podcast. It's the international break and a chance to pause, reflect on Sean Deitch's first couple of months in charge and assess Everton's greatly enhanced prospects of avoiding relegation this season under the new manager. Saturday's dramatic 2-2 draw at Chelsea was the Blues' third game unbeaten in a row and it saw the team score twice on the road for the second game in succession thanks to a superbly taken first senior goal for Ellis Sims. We're now in 15th place with 10 games to go. Still plenty to do, but the blueprint for survival is very much there, despite a couple of tricky fixtures to come against Spurs and Manchester United. The whole gang is here again to discuss it all. Andy, uh, we've been going through the roller coaster of emotions in the group chat, tracking Everson's fortunes against all those teams around us, but we've got to be feeling a lot better about things now after Saturday, haven't we? Yeah, I think there's an air of calm now. Uh, it, there wasn't an air of calm uh, on Saturday evening, um, I must say, uh, especially in the last five minutes. Um, but it does feel like we are gradually turning that corner now. And and it, even though the game didn't quite pan out how I thought it would against Chelsea, um, we, we seemed that the first half was very, very drab. I think that's exactly what the plan was, to make it drab. Um, and But I always felt as if Everton were in that game. And even when we went 1-0 down, we've, we've, we've seen that before, especially at Chelsea, when you're kind of there or thereabouts and they score a goal and it almost kills it. But I never got the impression it was dead. Uh, and I think that's a huge uh, difference we're seeing, that even when we go a goal down, it doesn't mean it's all over. Uh, and even when we went 2-1 down, funny enough, although I I thought the world was ending when, when we conceded the penalty, uh, you could still see that, that we might do something. There might be something at the end of the game for us. Uh, and I, I mean, the, the last, yeah, five, seven minutes were were, were awful. Um, and, and it was it really did take me back to last season, that, that injury time, um, where, because you could just see what that point could do. Um, and, and it keeps momentum going. It, it, it gives Ellis Sims his moment that means something as well. Um, and, I, I, you know, I, I, I was so relieved when the ref blew the whistle. And I think it's a, I think it's a massive moment in our season, to be honest. Um, it's not just a point on the road. It's not just scoring two goals on the road again. It's a point at Chelsea. I, I think that could we could look back on that and think that felt it probably it's only one but it feels like more points um and and, and I think it it could re- it could be a bit of a game changer for us yeah it's, I, um at one down I was um yeah I thought okay we can get back into this but when I went to one I, oh, you you I don't know if anyone was, was as good as I was for all that I think we were saying you were you saying on the group Adam it's all that hard work and just the <laughs> yeah, just when they give give away a soft penalty like that, it's amazing how many sort of soft goals were given away. I suppose under Sean Dyche, isn't it? How many sort of silly mistakes we're making when you figure it'd be kind of the opposite way around. But um, you kind of back that team at the moment, don't you? They're always in the game. They're always uh, always there. Maybe the Arsenal one is a bit of an exception. Although I'd like to have seen what would happen if they'd gone in just a one 0 down at half a half time of that one. It might have been different. Um, yeah, just really made up, just with the fight that they showed, and yeah, it did feel like um, it felt very much like a win at the end of that to me. And uh, as you say, Andy, um, it did feel like it meant a lot more than just a point to me. That 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 game just felt like this. The lads will be buzzing from that. You were the thought. It's a great feel like going into the international break, something we don't normally seem to get. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, just amazing really to, to to come away with a point from that. So a lot a lot of good performances. 
throughout the team. Um, I thought Onana had his best game in a while, certainly grew into the game. Uh, for a second half, he was particularly good. Um, they got uh, Driss Gay. <laughs> Dare I say he's learned his lessons? <laughs> he says he's getting a little bit better yeah. now. He's, he's a bit more like what we expected in the first instance. And uh, Ella Sims, fantastic. What a, what a moment for, for the young lad. And it probably gives us a realistic option now, doesn't it? Now we know what you can do. And um, set pieces again, another one from a set piece. I think we're really spooking opposition uh, with that. And you think, obviously, they must be thinking, OK, we've got to work on how to defend this. But not too many teams are really coming up with answers to us, really, from, from a set pieces. So I think we've, we're certainly in, in opponents' heads when it comes to getting corners because it didn't really take a lot to get back into it. It just took, what? Two corners, really, didn't it? One, 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 then another one, you know, and then that was that was enough to get us back in the game, really. So it's a good weapon to have. So he's um, he's doing a marvel, marvelous job, Sean Dice, and uh, looking at the way some of the teams around us are performing, there seems to be a bit of panic setting in. Um, I think we're in their heads, and I think, uh, well, I didn't think it'd be this optimistic. Maybe eight games into Sean Dice or whatever it is, I didn't think we'd be, even though we're still early. Three points off the bottom, two points off relegation, whatever it is. <laughs> it's so tight down there, it's crazy, but certainly feeling good about Everton at the moment. Definitely. And I think if we'd have looked at these last three games, um, and yeah, it's worth repeating how important it is to have an unbeaten run at this stage in the season where, where we were at to to go three games unbeaten out of and, and three tough games as well. Two 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 away teams. Forest, I know we all felt a bit downhearted. Um, and disenchanted after that result, but still a, a tough place to go for most sides, certainly this season. Um, a really good home win against Brentford, who we saw at the weekend, are a very strong side um, and will continue to punch above their weight. And then going away to Chelsea, picking up a point there. Five points from those three games on paper. I think we all would have taken that. Um, anything else would have been a major bonus. And certainly to go behind twice to a side who, okay, Chelsea have had a strange season and we said they, they were also coming off um, a, a decent little run following a bit of a, a horror show under Potter. But I, w- I was watching it with my family and we were saying, God, we'd, we'd kill for any one of these attacking options that they've got. They've got so, so many options going forward. And they showed as well that they, that they can be clinical. I, th- I thought their, their first goal was a great finish. Um, the second goal is probably the frustrating one and... As, as you said, Paul, I, I did. I did have that crestfallen moment. Like we, we've worked so hard to get back into this. Um, have we? Have we just shot ourselves in the foot? But but what great fight! What great spirit! I think under Lampard, we go on to lose that game pretty comfortably. We probably get beat three one four one. Under Deitch, few simple substitutions, um, simple goals again, but but effective. As you say, two corners, and then and then a really simple but beautiful second goal great direct football um substitutions working well as well Michelinko's ball forward fantastic touch from Decore and then Ellis Sims it it, it, it rolled back the years I had had shades of um and each should be back in the day just rolling his man really confident finish and what, what wasn't it just it, it, it felt like a weight had lifted and yeah certainly at full time it really did because to go into this break um, I think you said just before the podcast started, Paul, going into an international break, feeling sort of positive, and certainly the table gives you that impression as well. Um, it 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 makes a massive, massive difference, and it can take us into these next next run of games feeling not bulletproof, but certainly like we're 
we're starting something and and, and I think we all yeah we, we all feel that little bit more confident um we're not out of the woods yet and it's still so so tight down there and I know we've 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 played that extra game and a lot of the other sides around us but having that little bit of breathing room having other sides start to as you said Paul start to make make big decisions we look really steady um and we have done under these last three games so yeah starting starting to breathe a little bit easy actually quite looking forward to the international break for once which is a nice change <laughs> yeah i think i think a lot of the the relegation battle is about holding your nerve i think it's often the the mental elements as well as the the quality in your squad and and the fight that you show i think it's about holding your nerve and i agree with what's been said that you know i think teams will start to take notice of us now as you know, we've been on the podcast before and some of us have maybe said, oh, Leicester will have enough to get out of it or West Ham. And I'm sure supporters of the clubs down there now are probably talking about Everton. The, the fact that we've got Sean Dyche who's been there and done it. The fact that we do have, you know, quality in the squad and the fact that we are churning out these results, you know, difficult games, but we're getting the results. I think we are maybe that team now in, in, this, uh, in this scenario, that we are the team that, you know, could get out of it. And I think that's down to the manager because... I felt the game at Stamford Bridge was really peculiar in the sense that, as you said, Andy, we were in it, but it also felt like we weren't. It was, and I think that's down to Sean Dyche. I think that how he sets his teams up is even in those games where you might get, you know, your goal hammered and the other team might have all the possession. It's how he sets you up to be efficient when you do get your chances. And I think, you know, I would go as far as saying away from home. I've never been this confident that we will get something probably since the days of Cahill. Just just because teams have really struggled with that with that corner. You know, I think Dwight McNeil, his deliveries have been great. I think Tarkovsky, just his determination to to get up there, you know, as a centre-back, getting up there, he's, he's a big lad. And then I think what's been good as well and something that maybe Everton teams haven't been great at recently is the second ball. You know, Decore still had to react to that. He still had to get in front of his man. Um, and I think it's 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 basically, I feel like Sean Dyche has fine-tuned it so that Everton are benefiting from them fine margins. Those fine margins that would usually go against us, as you said, Adam, under Lampard, the fine margins are that Chelsea get one, they get two from, you know, from maybe something innocuous. And then they go on to win the game, three or four nil. Whereas now, I feel like just through those little sort of weapons that we've got in terms of the set pieces, in terms of having Damari Gray up front just to to stretch the opposition defence, just to, you know, it was a very simple piece of play, but he got the ball. And whereas Dominic Cavalier might hold it up and hold his defender off, Damari Gray just kept possession. And he did run towards the def- his, his own team, but he kept it. And then he sprayed the ball out wide to a Wobie. And I just thought that, that two seconds, again, it's that fine margin, just that little bit of improvement. But that two seconds where he's just taking the sting out, it just helps the midfield and the defence get up the pitch. And and that's really where I think we're getting these games is just from Sean Dyche. I think he's probably very meticulous and he's he's looked at a weak squad, but he's thought, how can he, how can he get the best from it? And I think that's where we're seeing these results now. Um and I think, you know, what we've said about the international break, I just think it's key. As I said, I think a lot of relegation battle, it's about the mental element. And I think that going into that international break, you know, we've got two weeks now of of that feel-good feeling that, you know, that the last bit of play we've seen is our, our young striker that we've called back from Sunderland, you know, showing that 
that he can do it on on the bigger stage because you know to take that ball and beat you know Kaladu Koulibaly, one of the best centre backs in Europe over the last decade, it shows he's got a lot of confidence, and I think that's probably where Ellis Sims will be picked ahead of Neil Mopay now because I think he does have that confidence, and I think you've seen in terms of when he gets the ball, he is positive that he will take a shot from anywhere. And I think Neil Morpay did that when he first arrived at Everton, and that's how he got his goal against West Ham. But I think Ellis Sims, I think he seems like somebody who's got uh, confidence in his ability. And I think Sean Dyche is probably getting that out of every player now. Um, And, you know, if you don't shoot, you don't score. And I think that's probably something that's held Everton back this season. But it seems like they're really coming into their own now. And, um, you know, if if we can build on this, then, then it's great. And I think it's... The last point I'll make just on, on the Chelsea game is, you know, the the confidence. It, it's only a point, but I, I felt before the game that if we could not get beat, it would just, it was like, I think that was a real test for us to, to see where we are, you know, because we've we've lost the way at Arsenal, we've lost the way at Liverpool. This was the test and, and we've passed it, to be fair. I know we haven't won the game, but as we've said, you know, Chelsea are having a weird season, but they've, they've still got so much quality. Um, so yeah, for me, it's a, re- a probably you know it's it's up there with the win over Arsenal, just in the sense of you know it, it, we're seeing things that Everton teams have lacked in recent seasons, like that character, like that ability to keep going even when you know heads didn't go down, and you know we we have equalised with a genuine bit of quality. You know, Mikalenko's forward pass, the core he's played Sims in, and then he's still got so much to do, but the composure he showed, you know, it, it's just really encouraging. So, yeah, I thought it was a great point and something to really build on, though. Yeah, it really was a lovely goal, wasn't it? Um, and I think I think if uh, Koulibaly was surprised, I think I was surprised too because we haven't really seen anything as instinctive as that. Really, maybe apart from that that ball that he hooked over the top for Decore, was it against Leeds? Uh, Ellis Sims, we haven't really seen anything that kind of suggests that he has the confidence. Um, and I think... As you say, Al, this is something that you're now seeing. The longer that Deitch is there, the more he's going to tap into each one of these players and and sort of find, you know, find the margins and find the uh, the, the the things that have been perhaps holding them back. And so, I agree with you again, Al, about this uh, about the the mental element uh, as it, as it pertains to this relegation fight. You know, the, the holding your nerve um, and the fact that us being the side with a bit of momentum. Um, if you look at sides like Palace. And Forrest and even Leicester, to, to a degree, they're struggling to put results together. So I think the last time that I did the, our prediction uh, for the rest of the season, um, the last time they had us on 37 points, it was based on beating Brentford and getting a draw at Chelsea. So we're definitely on course for that. And I think as we've all been saying now, I can see us going into a game against Tottenham and a game against Manchester United and, and having the confidence that we can not only you know get something out of it, but, but beat a team like Spurs, um, particularly because we have no idea what frame of mind they're going to travel in next time with um, Antonio Conte again, uh, deciding that he doesn't want to be there anymore. So, <laughs> but uh, I think I've seen there's uh, on some individuals there's been um, a bit of chatter both on uh, on Twitter and some of the podcasts about some individual players. Uh, one of them being uh, Michael Keane. Um, I think I mean Chelsea are a very good team. And with almost um, 70% possession and 20 shots on goal, I think you're always going to be at risk of mistakes happening. And I think we've, you know, we've seen that all season, really. So we've sort of lived and died by the margins. And sometimes 
you know, they go against you and sometimes they don't. I think we've been in the position that we're in for a reason. You know, we don't have world-class players in many positions and, and you're going to make mistakes. But I think, um, again, going back to the, the Deitch factor, if you will, uh, I think there's a lot to be said for continuity and keeping uh, forming partnerships and getting the team to gel in a way that I think uh, Lampard struggled. Um, so I think that this, the, the debate over the, over the centre-halves, I think that Deitch is really um, making the decision for everybody on a week-to-week basis by keeping Tarkovsky and Keane together. Um, and the same obviously goes for that, that midfield unit where I think Dukure is, uh, is really starting to surprise us in terms of his versatility. I mean, that touch for the, for the goal. I mean, who knew who had it in him when you looked at him the way that he sort of wasted that chance against Leeds, the lack of composure there versus the composure he showed uh, for that equalizer was, uh, was great. And I agree with you, Paul. I think Onana had his best game for a while. And I think that perhaps uh, he's been playing with that knee complaint recently. I think it maybe maybe affected his performances of late. Um, so I was really pleased about that. So I think, yeah, I think going into this international break, there's plenty of uh, plenty of positives. And um, I, 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 mean, I, I sort of get this sense that people are a little still cautious about you know getting ahead of themselves and thinking that we're we're going to get out of this definitely. But I think the signs are definitely there now that the team with very solid mid-table form, which we have. I think we just have to maintain that and everything will be fine. I don't understand the criticism for Keane, yeah. to be honest. Um, I, I thought the the second, at the first Chelsea goal, okay, I mean, it, it's kind of a bit of an awkward clearance, if you want to call it that. It's an awkward touch-off of him. The, 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 the guy's got an awful lot to do yeah. to score from there. Uh, it was a great finish. It was, it, it was the, you know, uh, I, I think, yeah, I think probably on paper, yes. I suppose if you were going to line all of our centre halves up and pick the two best overall players, it may not be Michael Keane. I accept that, but I think what Sean Dyche has decided and decided pretty early on is that he knows what those two players do, what they don't do, and he knows they exactly, play together, yeah. and he's made that decision. Come what may, there will be keen mistakes. There probably there was a Tarkovsky mistake as well, you know. Mm-hmm. But what he can, what he can, he, he's obviously tallied that all up and thought, well, I'll take those bits because I know that they play well together, or they have played together, and he's kind of overridden, overridden any decision based on that. Um, I don't understand the negativity towards Keane, particularly after Saturday. Um, I thought he defended in a, pretty well, um, especially with balls into the box. Um, I mean, we, it was obvious that Everton were trying to get Chelsea to cross the ball because we know we're strong. And when they did, OK, goal aside, but I thought we defended it really well. And, and I think now with those two back there and, and with the whole team set up as it is, we've got a pretty good sample now of a 1-0, a 1-0, a 1-0, a 2-2 and a 2-2. And at any point in those five games, that those scores could have been very different. Those results could have been very different. And I think we've now, well, I have anyway, uh, you wouldn't have known it by me peering literally round the door frame um, uh, watching Saturday night. I couldn't actually step into the same room for the, for the last five minutes. But, but I do feel as if there is a kind of confidence coming that, that 
you know, that that's a pretty good sample of the five games he's been in charge of. That we can hold on to stuff. We can. I mean, even at the end on Saturday, we were heading stuff away in the last minute, and in in other teams in other years, one of those goes in, doesn't it? Um, I forgot to mention it in 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 the opening. There was a a lovely split second um, as Sims shoots. Uh, you can hear him say yes yeah. before you know it's gone in because the angle the angle of the camera was that oh my god is that gone in and you could hear him go yeah and it was just a lovely <laughs> moment because obviously it's silent at that end of the yeah. ground um and I thought it was just one of those and then you get the delay of the Everton fans doing the same thing and um I thought that was just a, a lovely little moment um but yeah looking at um where we are and 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 compare it to, to other people to other teams. I'm still going on my win-loss, 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 win-loss uh, formula. And so far, win-loss, win-loss, loss-draw, win-draw. We are one point behind. Why can't we do draw-win, draw-win, draw-win now? <laughs> well, wouldn't it be lovely? Yeah. But we are only one point behind, and that would give us 42 mm-hmm. points. You know, yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I yeah, I, 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 just, I just get the feeling that this is, I don't want to say it. Do I say it? I think I get the feeling this is going to be okay. <laughs> you said that early doors in the season anyway, so I'm going from what you said back in September. <laughs> um, yeah, draw, win, draw, but that's what we've been doing anyway at the moment, isn't it? 2-2, two, 1-0, two, 2-2, one, 1-0. Two, two, one. <laughs> yeah, so maybe next game, 1-0. Um, I think with, with uh, Michael Keane, I think the good outweighs the bad, I think I think generally. I think you will get, you will get some mistakes from Keane. I've always had a soft spot for Kings. He's always, he's, he, he always does his best. And he's not, he, you know, he's, he, he will make mistakes, but he always tries his best. He is, he is courageous, King. He goes up for a lot of aerial duels. He, um, he's brave, you know. And um, yeah, there's a lot. We've seen that. I guess we've seen that kind of mistake before from Keane. And it's just unfortunate it goes to that man and he, and he smashes it in the corner like that or picks his place in the corner well. So I'm comfortable with Keane at the back. This, I don't quite. What I don't quite understand is that there's so much. Uh, there's so many people out there saying, "Why isn't Yeddy Mina playing? Why isn't Yeddy Mina playing?" Because the guy can't finish a game, and he and he's proven that time and time again. And the, I, I mean, and he's out of contract in about ten games. Yeah, I mean, and and that's it. So I'm quite confident. You know, that could be wrong. I like Yeddy. He's, 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 he seems a good fellow. He's, he's he's been a good player for them, and when he's been available. But I can well see why Sean Dice get well. I can look at his record, and I can see darn well that there's very there's probably more more of a chance that I play him that he's going to limp off. Um, and whereas I know I know Michael Keane, I know Tarkovsky, I know they're going to get they're going to get me through games. Um, so I don't. It seems almost like common sense to be honest to be playing up the 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 sense of actually knows and trusts. Um, the call I, I didn't mention him earlier. I thought he was man of the match. The call yeah. I thought he had an outstanding game yeah, um, in midfield, and it's good to see him uh, come back. He's <clears throat> He's a funny one to call it for me. He's he's been he's been so hit and miss. It's it's incredible, and uh, you you wouldn't bet against him going going off the radar a bit at some point before the end of the season. But while the going's good, let's uh, let's enjoy it and uh, let's hope he, he he gets he you know keeps it going until the end of the season. Is he out of contract in the summer? I think he is, isn't he? With um, an option, man. I was going to ask. I was going to ask this question actually next because he does have an option. Um, I would yeah. I would guess at this point we take that option, right? 
Well, yeah, with finance are presumably tight, and if he does, you know, if we stay up, it seems like a bit of a no-brainer, really, to, yeah. to to give him an extra year and to, to buy some time. I imagine he'd be open to that if uh, if, if if that's if that's that's where we get to. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, it's good to see him. Good to see him turn it around. It's hard to you can't really take anybody out of that midfield. Uh, that midfield three, that midfield five, really. It will be probably didn't have his best game, but I suppose you kind of have to give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, what happens when? Dominic Alvaluan, if Dominic Alvaluan gets fit, my next question. Then what happens then? Yeah, well, but sorry, I keep to, I've, I've no, 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 no worries. No, no, this is this is it. You're anticipating what I'm asking, going to ask. So yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, what happens then? Does Gray get into midfield? No, but hey, isn't isn't it mad that we got positive competition for places for sudden? Yeah, you know I mean, and yeah. all things been like, oh, we didn't get that striker, and maybe it all kind of worked out okay. Maybe not get getting the. So it was a Dan Juma, the lad who went to Spurs. You know, maybe not getting him has worked out. Maybe, you know, maybe that would have been a bad apple or something like that. Who knows? But um, all, all, uh, all quite positive. Um, one just caveat I'd say about Michael Keane. He always seems to have a nightmare against Harry Kane. And with Tottenham coming up next at home. Um, mm-hmm. now I'm not saying rip him out of the team. Just a caveat there. It's always something to play. Well, yeah, I'm sure a lot of players struggle against Harry Kane. But Kane seems to have his number. Many a times, let's hope that yeah, they can get through that game okay and Spurs really answer the races. But uh, we'll worry about that in, in a week or so's time once we've got the international window out of the way. It's nice to, nice to not have to worry about that this weekend, that's for sure. I think the bigger caveat there was when you mentioned Dan Juma. That worried me because that's got a horrible narrative oh, yeah. written all over it. <laughs> um, I'd put that one aside. Um, I think the way you phrased that... Um, that point about Michael Keane, it felt like you were in Sean Dyche's narrative because he's obviously, that's who he trusts. He, he's, he's looked at the side. I think, I think you said it earlier, Al, as well, about being meticulous with the options in front of him. And I think he's, he's obviously done that in central defence. And it's, is, is it perfect? Is it the best central defensive uh, partnership on paper? Possibly not, as, as we've said, but it seems to be working. I don't think he's at fault for the first goal. I think, We've seen in the last um, the last couple of games how important those set pieces and those, you know, we're getting assists from central defenders. That's that's an area where we weren't scoring. We're getting goals from midfield from the likes of Decore. That's an area where we struggled previously as well. So if we can share the goals around more, if we're going back into the Dominic Calvert-Lewin debate, we're now in that magic 10-game run, potentially, where if after this break he's fit, we, we could could get 10 games out of him. However, I think we found a really effective way to play with Damari Gray, who I think did a, a thankless job, you mentioned earlier again, El, with, with the way that he bought us some time, got us further up the pitch, bought other people into the game, spread the play really well. That was that was huge. We've obviously now got Ellis Sims as an option off the bench. I think if, if Calvert-Lewin can find some minutes before the end of the season, we, we we could potentially make make the most of him as well. But is, isn't it nice to have options coming off the bench and making a difference? Isn't it nice to have players who were previously out of favour, like Michael Keane, like Decore, players coming back from injury, like Godfrey, we've got Patterson to come back as well. There's it, it's, it's not the biggest squad, and certainly there are times where I, I did worry a little bit on Saturday evening when... We went two one behind. I'm thinking, who who's going to come off the bench? Well, we found someone, which is great. Um, so, and and who knows, there might be other people who can come on and make a difference as well. But we didn't draw a lot of games last season. The more games like that that we can stay in, um, and I, I think as well as we've seen, 
we've not just evolved from where we were at under Lampard, even in the last couple of weeks. I, th- I think if you look at the Arsenal game as an example, it's quite similar in, in the way that we didn't do much in the first half, but we're sort of, you know, in the game. Obviously, in that game, we can see a couple of silly goals before half time and it gets away from us. This side is developing. It is, w- w- there's a level of trust at the defensive area of the pitch. We've got midfielders who seem to be understanding more and more about the positions, which clearly they weren't earlier in the season. And we're also stretching play up at the top end of the pitch. It's not always going to be pretty. It's not always going to lead to three points. But if we can get points like that, it will make such a difference because how many times last season did we say we don't draw enough games? We would give up cheap goals and games would get away from us. You think of Brentford, you think of Burnley, think of those really frustrating results. We drew two games under Lampard last season. And already we're starting to stay in games more. And I think that will be so crucial because it it is so tight down there that one point and, and even an even goal difference, seeing Palace getting swept away 4-1, it, it's reassuring because I don't think, hopefully the Arsenal game was the anomaly in that sense. We, we won't be back in that position. We will stay in games, stay in them enough to get a point and hopefully gradually, gradually just climb our way out of trouble. Yeah, I said on social media after the Chelsea game that the biggest compliment I can give Sean Dyche is that Everton are now in games. We won't win every single one, mm. but we've always got a chance. And I think, he, you know, he deserves massive praise for that because, as you mentioned, Adam, about the draws, last season we only drew six games. Already this season we've drawn eight. Now, if you look at how tight it is down at the bottom, those draws, you know, will probably be just as significant as any of the wins we've had this season just because of how they, they all add up. So, that's massive, you know, if you can stay in games and even if you can get draws when, you know, you may be playing against the superior team and they have all the possession. But if you, you know, if James Tarkovsky scores a header from a corner and it's a point, they all add up. So it's a massive difference. And I think um, what I would say is that with with this team as well, I feel like all the players are taking more responsibility. And I say that in terms of last season, we had Richarlison was probably the talisman. Uh, and Calvert-Lewin. I think this season, if he was fit, Calvert-Lewin would be the main man by a country mile. But I feel like every time we've talked about the game since Deitch has come in, there seems to be one or two players who've really stood out. You know, the core especially. I think Idrissa Garnagay. And I think they may be realising that, yeah, we don't have the the Brazil's number nine up front anymore. We don't have Calvert-Lewin. And I think they're all stepping it up. And when I say they take responsibility, I think that you know, we, we are still making some cheap mistakes, but I feel like the players have, are showing they've got a bit about them, um, which I think is very different to earlier in the season. And that, that goes to, to Michael Keane as well. I know that, you know, to, to say I don't rate Michael Keane would be <laughs> would be an understatement, really. But for me, it's really, I don't rate him because of how he's been used by Everton. So that that's, you know, that's not on him, to be honest. It, it's the fact that, you know, we, we signed a £30 million plan from a player from Burnley. And he, he did well for them because he played in a in a certain way. And he's come to Everton and he's played under the likes of Ronald Koeman, Marco Silva. He's not a ball-playing centre-back. He's not a player who can play expansively. But if you've got a, a system where you've got three central midfielders in front of him who will do a lot of running, they will do a lot of tackling, they will help out the defence, then he's absolutely fine. You know, he's more than fine. Um, and I think that's the thing. So when I say I don't rate him, it's because... 
I've not raced him in an Everton shirt because he's not been used in the, in the right way, really. Whereas, you know, as you as as we've said, it's Sean Dyche knows him. He knows how to get the best out of him. He knows how to play him, and that works. You know, if if we just play a low block, you know, we try and soak everything up. We try and get teams to cross the ball that Michael Keane can just head away all day. You will see a, a perfectly fine Premier League defender, um, and you know I think that's that's been difficult with with how many managers we've had. We you know we've had a lot of players who've probably had a criticism and not been rated by fans purely through circumstance. And I'd, I'd say that probably the biggest victim of that is probably Tom Davis. That you know you, you don't do what you did against Manchester City if you're not a very talented footballer. Um, and you know for for probably five years he's been pretty anonymous just in terms of you know match winning displays or goals and so you know I think you know when when you you're looking to appoint a manager you know I think that gets forgotten about sometimes that you know certain players will will you know thrive and certain players won't you know if 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 you know Cristiano Ronaldo was playing in Sam Allardyce's Bolton side would he have been as show-stopping as when he was at Manchester United so yeah, I think I think Michael Keane really. I think you know before Dodge came in, I was quite keen for Michael Keane to be one of the players to to leave as we as we reassess the squad. But now you know I'm with, with the displays I've seen. Yeah, he will make a few mistakes, but I think he fits what we need at the minute, and he, he and he fits the system the best. And I think that's where I'd give kudos to Dodge is that he's come in. You know, Connor Cody's a big character in that dressing room. But he's thought you're not right for how I want to play, so I'm going to put Keenan. Um, and so you know, I think that's that's really good. And I agree with Paul that yeah, Yeri Mina is a, a good centre back and he's been a good player for Everton. But you know, it, it's not his fault. But if you can't rely on that, then you you can't put him in the team if you're going to have to sub him after after an hour or whatever it is. Because you know, you the the manager, especially someone like Sean Dyche, will drill his players all week, and you don't want to be changing that. And I think I think that's where. You know, Michael Keane will really excel, and you know, I'll I'll start to see him for the player he is, and, and rate him again as I did before Everton signed them. Um, because I think that's really key that you know certain players will fit certain systems, and I think that's what Dyche has done really well. He's he's ev- everyone on the pitch. He's he's got the best out of them, and you know, even with Damari Gray, didn't put him in at first, but I think he's he's seen the squad and he's thought, well, actually, yeah, Damari Gray can do this, and he. He's told them what to do. He's told them to run with the ball. He's told them to keep hold of the ball as much as he can. And he's told them to have efforts on target when he can. And uh, I think, yeah, all the players are are, are benefiting from Deitch's uh, appointment so far. Yeah, It's a percentage choice, isn't it? It's a percentage game. Because he, he when he got the job, he didn't have time, really, to work through every player and work through every combination yeah. and have a look at all oh, exactly. the blend there, the blend here. He's got to play a percentage game. And if there's two lads there, Keen and Tarkovsky, who he knows, and he doesn't really have to explain too much to about what he wants because it's obvious and they've done it for years, then that's almost one job he doesn't have to do at the moment. Um, and you can gradually work on the rest of the team. I mean, the same will be with... Uh, McNeil, I mean, you know, he's come into the team and stayed in the team and looks better for it because he understands already. You know, it's kind of that's almost you can see you 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 could almost hear his job interview, can't you? Well, you know, they ask him what he's going to bring, and you say, well, th- three players there. I, <laughs> yeah, I know them. I don't have to explain anything to yeah. them. That's three. That's three worries off of your mind straight away. Let's work on the other eight. You know, um, and it in in a way, therefore it. 
like we said a little, we hinted towards it at the time after the January debacle. It may not matter that there weren't these extraordinary signings or at least a few backup players because they were all new to him apart from those three. Um, and some of them are playing like new signings. I mean, you know, talk about Decore. I wonder if Decore is just going to do this every year. And if, like, late into his late into his forties, he's just going to be extended by one year uh, because he has a great, great February and March. Uh, yeah, I, I think you just said everything about Michael Keane that I was going to. I think it's you know, if Sean Dyche when he came in, his number one remit was to keep the club in the Premier League. You know that, and you know you can you can think down the road. There will be challenges and decisions to make about certain personnel and how you want this team to play. But you know, coming into the job, he's just got to find a way of keeping us up um, and to steady a ship that that really was on the way down. And you know, as you say, Andy, you come in and you and you you use the the tools that you know uh, or have experience using. Um, if if you look at someone like Michael Keane versus Yerry Mina, you've got two players um, who are fairly similar in terms of how they defend, but and they both offer. Uh, set piece threat, but one of them you can guarantee is going to stay fit more than the other one, and that might be all that it came down to. You know, it's just a, a significant risk, and I think when your uh, number one priority is is to, as I said before, is to establish some continu- continuity in the team um, and establish those partnerships, then then, then it's a bit of a no brainer. Um, so it's unfortunate because I like Yeri Bina and I think that. Uh, I was saying early on that I think he should be there because of the set piece threat that he offers. Uh, you know, Keane obviously had that terrific chance off the free kick. Was it in the first half? I think at Chelsea that you know if he buries that, then right. you know that's that would have been a uh, would have been great for us. But um, yeah, I mean, I think you the, as long as we are heading in the right direction, I don't think you can really have too many complaints and too many moans about who's playing because it's clearly working. Um, but going back to um, Alex Awobi, who is also um, working, but the reason why I asked the question um, about specifically about you know who what, what changes and who changes when Calvert Lewin comes back into the side is there is a bit of a debate around Awobi and whether um, he's as effective as a right winger. And I suppose my question is, do the, does the good sort of outweigh the bad with Awobi, even though he's being played out of position? Uh, I think we've we've seen over the lifespan of his of his Everton career that right wing is not his best position. Um, but uh, you still have moments like the um, you know the goal against Brentford with that brilliant touch the inside. There's there's he does bring that sort of that unpredictability and he does have you know he does have quality um, even if he does if he is prone to um, to mistakes in his own half. So I was curious to get your thoughts on that, guys. He's he's an athlete, isn't he? He gets up and down. He, he can run and run all day, and I think um, uh, Sean Dyche will love that. So. I can't see him being dislodged from the team um, unless his performances go terrible, um, which you don't really see happening. If he gives like a certain level of consistency and anything over and above that is is good, and <clears throat> anything over and above that is good, and uh, sometimes very good. Um, so I don't think I don't really see him getting moved out of the team really, or out or out of the position. Um, it'd be a tough one on Demarvi Gred. I mean, if. That midfield three aren't getting changed, that's for sure. Dwight McNeil isn't getting moved, that's for sure. So, yeah, yeah. I'd imagine you know, it would be a bit harsh on Damari, but, yeah, he might find himself out of the team. Who knows? It's good. Again, so I'll go back to like good options, uh, but you just didn't really see coming, did you? 
Um, I guess one thing I would say about Damari Gray though as well is that he, he does work hard. You know, if you put him there on that wing instead of uh, Alex Ibrahim, you're not you know you're not going to see any shortage of efforts. Yeah, he's you, you, on 75 minutes or so. You, you often see him sort of clutching his knees and just like you know breathing very heavy. But he gets he carries on going. You know, with Alex Ibrahim. You just kind of effortlessly keep on running. He could probably run for like two, three games of the row. Alex, he's just so he's just so naturally fit. But um, yeah, I don't know how much. I mean, I, I can't I can't see it when I'm when I'm watching the games. But um, the, the what, what the managers, the coaches, the statisticians all look out for now. They'll be seeing certain things which Alex does, which Demarvi doesn't. You know, what I mean, in, in in that position, how he gets back and forth and that sort of stuff. So um, I'd imagine uh, I'd imagine Alex would stay in the team. Um, would be and then you obviously go back to uh, how much he seems like a settled team, but who knows? It'll depend on form as well. Depend on if we have a bit of a, if we have a bit of a tough run, and that's very possible. That's you know as, as carried as way carried away as we're all getting. Let's be fair; it's uh, it's very possible that we lose a couple on the bounce, and all of a sudden it's looking looking grim again. You know, so he might you know might change as he as he feels he needs to. But uh, yeah, I'd say Alex would probably stay in. Would be my would be my guess. I'd imagine so. And I guess the thing we have mentioned there is whether Ellis Sims deserves to start after scoring such a good goal yeah. coming off the bench. Um, nice problems to have. I think you do obviously lose some of Uwebi's effectiveness by moving him out wide. But as you've just said, Paul, I think disrupting that midfield three when it's finally beginning to function wouldn't make sense. Um, I think... Damari Gray at this point in time probably offers a greater goal threat. So I would say if, if we were going out to win a game, uh, if, we, if we're in a home game, for example, and with with the big asterisk next to it, if you've got a fully fit Calvert-Lewin who's looking sharp and it's a game where we can utilise him, maybe Damari Gray offers a little bit more, but then it won't be, he's still by far and away our, our leading creator of, of, of goals. Uh, leading the assist chart, although I'm sure Tarkovsky and Keane will be catching them up pretty soon if we keep working set pieces the way we do. And obviously, McNeil has been fantastic. I thought he had an, another really solid game on that left-hand side. His delivery from set pieces is, is a real positive, I think. And again, goes back to doing what, what Deitch knows best. Um, I thought Coleman as well had another good game. I think he's another who seems to be thriving under simple instructions at the back. So that, that right-hand side from being a position of weakness uh, or perceived weakness, I guess, due to injuries and lack of incomings in January, it's not so bad, is it? And having having options to think about, that's that's not something we've been able to do all season. It's It's been, at times at least, it felt as though the team picked itself. So having the likes of Cody out of the side I feel like if, if for example, Keane was suspended or Tarkovsky was injured, there are options to come in as well as Mina. We've got the likes of Mikalenko on the left-hand side as well. It's it's a it's feeling like a bit of a bigger squad, even if it's just because a few players have played their way back into form, a few injuries and, and the like out of the way. Um, but this is a 10 massive, massive, massive games. I know they all feel big, but... We have got that slight worry where you look at the, you look at the fixtures. I know one of West Ham's games in hands against Man City, and I know that a few of the sides are playing each other um, following the international break. So it will chop and change, I'm sure. But hopefully, hopefully, whatever side we put out, um, there 
they're certainly going to be well drilled and know their roles because I, I think I think that's been the biggest takeaway under Deitch. There's there's less there's less confusion in the way they're playing. There looks like a plan, which is probably why it's benefiting certainly the players he's worked with before, but also the likes of someone like Decorey. You, you, you touched on it earlier, El, with um, uh, your comments about Michael Keane. Some of these players have played under so many managers with so many different partnerships in the middle. I, I, I couldn't tell you how many midfield partners uh, Decorey will have had during his time at Everton. So there's no wonder that at times he's probably felt a little bit of a inconsistent player, but he's he, he's he's really played his way into form and you could say the same about a number of players. So long may it continue. Um, at least at least if players do have a dip, we have got more options to call upon them off the, uh, off the bench for uh, this last run of 10 games. It's worth mentioning Seamus Coleman, mind. My days. I mean, he's been superb recently. If he yeah. was a new signing that we brought in in January, we'd be going, cool, the new right-back's good, isn't he? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, he's yeah, done so, so well. Um, and yeah, long may that continue. Uh, I was just thinking when you were talking then, Damari Gray works in such short bursts of energy, doesn't he? Um, and I wonder whether actually he might dovetail with Calvert-Lewin when Calvert-Lewin's fit anyway, different, you know, horses for courses anyway, but um, it might not, it may not do Damari too bad to have one or two games off because he does do so much work and he looks out on his feet sometimes. Um, so I don't, I don't see it as a problem. And of course we've got Ellis Sims now who's for the next, next Ronaldo all of a sudden, but um, <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, you know, it, everything happens for, well, hopefully everything's happening for a reason in that if you think if we'd drawn the game 1-1, the other night, we hadn't give away the soft penalty and we'd come away 1-1. We'd all be going, God, what a great point. That was fantastic. But you wouldn't have had the Ellis Sims thing. You probably wouldn't even chucked Ellis Sims on. I mean, it, it, and I don't know. It just seems to be aligning a little bit that he gets his moment. Now, he's an important player in the squad and we all have faith in him. And he has faith in himself, hopefully. And you've all got two weeks to bathe in the sunshine. You know, it's, it's, it's just the little things seem to be moving in our favour, I yeah. think. I, th- I think particularly for young players, it's all about those sliding doors moments, isn't it? And as you just said, Andy, if if we don't give away that soft penalty, Sims doesn't come on. You know, he, he might not get another look in all season. All of a sudden, he's in two years, he's a League One striker, whereas now he's got that goal. You know, Deitch might have the confidence to throw him on more and he can show more of what he can do. Um, so that that's that's massive. And I think just going back to the squad thing and about Awobi specifically, I think it's less about what Awobi can offer and more about that right back situation and the midfield and and the attack because I think I've said it on the podcast in the last few weeks that for me, Awobi is just a placeholder right now because of because of that athleticism that he's got. He's he's in there because he's the best fit for that position. You know he 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 personally fits better into a, a central position, but for where this team is, that's where he needs to be. And I think um, we've seen that. Maybe when McNeil's been on the right, we've not been as good defensively. So I think McNeil's better on the left. So I think, you know, we talk about square pegs, round holes. Although Awobi's position is better centrally, I think for what he offers in terms of... the, def- I think it's more about the defensive element for him. And I think that's why, as Paul said, you know, I think he will stay in the team because I, th- I think what Gray gives you going forward, he doesn't give you what going back. And I think Awobi does. I think Awobi can give you both. Um, again, I, I don't. I think for where we need to be, I don't think Awobi is the answer. 
long term. You know, he's he's one of our better players, but if Everton were higher up the table and, and pushing for Europe, you know, I do think there are better players there. But for where we are now, it, it's similar to Michael Keane in, in the system that we've got. It works. And, you know, he has got that bit of quality, as, as you mentioned, Lyndon, you know, that, that pass leading to the goal last week. It's 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 those mm-hmm. moments that are so key. So, so for me, I think it's... I think Damari Gray will, unfortunately for him, have to settle for that um, impact player role if Calvert-Lewin comes back. Um, but again, I, I, I agree that what, what's been said, that I think that you you can play Gray, dovetailing with Calvert-Lewin. You, you can introduce Ella Sims with 20 minutes to go. You can you know, start Gray in games and bring Sims on, and, and then Calvert-Lewin will fit into that. So it, it's amazing how the, how the narrative can change so quickly just on, on moments because... As well, you know, we we're, we're pleased with the point of Chelsea with how it, but we were disappointed with the point of Forest because of how it's so. You know, if if we if we had led at Stamford Bridge two nil and conceded two goals in the last five minutes, this is a much more negative chat. Yeah, it's the same result. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. and I, th- I think because of where Everton are, I, I'm certainly um, guilty of that. That I've been, you know, you can you can really react on on those small moments rather than looking at the bigger picture. At the end of the day, we've got a point to Chelsea, which is great. Um, I think, you know, it, it's just really nice for Ellis Sims and for the fans that we've had that moment. But, you know, however it came about, whether it was one all, whether it was three all, you know, it's a, it's a good point. But I think that's where, you know, whereas I might be guilty of being, like, reactive, I think that's why we've got the perfect manager in place. Because I, I don't imagine Sean Dyche ever gets too high and I don't think he ever gets too low. And I think he's probably got a really yeah. good perspective. Um, so that, for me, I think that's where I think Sean Dyche is the perfect man for the job. Not only, you know, being tactically astute and knowing some of the players, but I think he's just got the right personality for it. Because I, I said the same about Lampard last season, that I felt he had the right personality in terms of bringing the fan base together. And I think, whereas I've said that maybe the energy is lacking in the fan base to give that big push again, you know, the the coach welcomes and stuff. I feel like Deitch is the right manager for for like the next stage of that, if that makes sense. That whereas Lampard brought the fan base and the club together, I think Deitch is probably just more effective on the pitch, and that's how he'll get the fan base behind the team it, it, in a different way. Um, so I think it's really it's really clicking in a, in a good positive way. Yeah, spot on. Um, I think that if 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 Calvert Lewin comes back for these for these ten matches, if he play if he plays in half of them, all of them, I think most body's going to be on maybe for an hour. Plenty of scope then to introduce Gray if he's the one who who drops out back in. Alice Sims can get his chances, um, and it, it, yeah, it does feel as though suddenly we have options, and um, you know the board may get bailed out for their horrendous January after all. Uh, the other thing about Iwobi um, is I think that he enables Seamus Coleman to play the way that Seamus Coleman has been playing because of the work that he does, which is exactly what you were saying, Al. It's that defensive element, um, and that's why I think. I don't see any changes there because he's just got you know such legs there. Um, but the final thing before we move on to the question, the final thing, the final thing that I've been thinking about Awobi specifically is that he is obviously there's talk about him getting this new this new contract, um, and I suspect he's probably wanting to move to move into that sort of six figure bracket. And it's an interesting thought of whether he's good enough to to warrant that. You know, when we're looking at sort of signing star players and bringing them in on these on these uh, on these big contracts, you obviously want a star player who's going to sort of fulfil that uh, 
fulfilled to be in that mold. And it's interesting sort of looking at Awobi and uh, perhaps some of his inconsistencies and, uh, you know, will will he get that contract? And, and if he doesn't, do we risk losing him on a free? It's, it's an interesting uh, interesting dilemma for over the next couple of years, isn't it? What's what's he got? One year on his contract come the summer? Is that all or is it two? Uh, Any idea? Well, look that up. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, next year, while, you, yeah. while you research, yeah, yeah next year, year for yeah. one year. So they're going to have to make a decision. I mean, yeah. let's assume we stay in the league, quite an assumption, I know, but let's, let's assume we're still in the uh, Premier League team come the summer. I'm not so sure Sean Dyche interrupts that midfield three too much if he can mm. keep an eye on them and keep, yeah, I mean, I'm not so sure he's in the. Don't know if he, whether he wants to or be in field there. I'm not so sure. So it might not be if if there's if there's suitors, it might not be the worst time to cash in on them. Yeah. Alex Awobi. It's, I mean, we're not in the luxury to have that squad. Yeah, it's not like we've got oh, we've got European games and we can play them in, in this and that. Yeah, you know I mean, so it's um pretty limited in what we can what we can do. And so I don't know if if, if you're talking mega bucks to keep him. I'm not sure. I'm not sure they said this six months ago or so. But like right now, I think. Are you better spend the mega bucks on somebody else? You know what I mean, and uh, yeah, than 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 him. I've got nothing against Alex Wilby at all, particularly no, the way he's turned his Everton career around, really. But um, played a big part in last season's survival. Um, but yeah, you have to look at it pragmatically, don't you? Um, and I just, I just wonder the way the way Sean Dyche will play, the way um, you know, there's no certainly don't want to be paying the mega bucks if he's just going to be you know running up and down the right wing. You know what I mean, like the way the way he's doing now, you'd be wanting. More for them centrally, which I don't think everyone will be able to offer them. So, yeah, a bit of a dilemma that. But um, yeah, I'd probably say if there's, uh, I don't know, I don't know what a suitable bid would be. Would be that be probably wouldn't be getting the money back that we spent on them. But if you get twenty no. million quid yeah. with 12, 12 months left or something like that, it's probably probably not the worst business really. I'd say. I think they'll keep him because of his adaptability, like we're seeing now. Um, mm. And I know you 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 think about the money. Yeah, you you probably wouldn't spend from nowhere. You wouldn't spend the six figures on somebody for their adaptability. But we're probably already paying the top top rate of five figures for him. So it's not actually that much more. I just think he can do so much. He can play as a ten. He could probably play in central midfield. He could play wide. And if if Dyche is going to do the thing like he did at Burnley eventually with a few transfer windows where he has a very tight squad that's quite adaptable, um, I think Iwobi would fit quite nicely into that. And he is, on his day, a little bit of stardust, isn't he? I mean, you know, he can do things that others can't in that squad uh, with the ball. Um, And he seems happy and he seems to understand and he seems to take on board whatever he's given. Bless him, he's been shoved around a fair bit. Um... I think, I think if I if it was me, um, I'd probably say give him the money and keep him, um, because he is a he's 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 worked himself into a kind of a trusted position with everybody. Really, I mean, if you told me Alex Awobi was playing left back next week, I'd be like, all right, that's fine. Yeah, he'll be he'll be fine there. Um, you know, he he is that he is one of those trusted members now. I think, um, so I I personally would keep him. Um, well, that. That being that we we do have a little bit of wiggle room. If we need the wiggle room, still after having sold everybody, uh, then <laughs> um, then it might be a different conversation. 
just uh, just while you're talking, I was looking up on a couple of websites that claim to know what the the salaries are, and b- both of them have a will be already on 120k, which I was not aware of. Mm. Sell him. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's a lot of money for someone who under Deitch isn't guaranteed to start, whereas under Lampard was an was a no brainer to start. So I understand the trepidation. I think if you were to put a gun to my head and say, uh, and I pray that you don't, uh, Bill, um, <laughs> and say what what should we do right now? I, I would err on the side of keeping him because I agree. I think he he offers a lot to that that squad. Um, even if he's not guaranteed to start, he offers versatility. He's someone who's been consistently fit during his time at the club, which is something that we've not always done with players we've awarded big contracts to later on. <clears throat> Mo Bezic. But um I think if we can <laughs> if we can um if we can keep him around that side and also as well it's worth saying that that midfield three isn't a midfield three that's necessarily going to last forever. We've got Decore who could easily leave in the summer, uh if circumstances don't change. We've got Idrissa Gay who's come into the twilight of his career and we've got Anana who hopefully we can enjoy for as long as we possibly can. Um but that, that midfield three could change in the near future as well. So I think having a Wobi in and around mm-hmm. the side is a good decision. But obviously, if he's asking for north of, I don't know, 150k a week for the position we're in, then, yeah, it might be time to shop shop, especially with um, Deli Ali for Prodigal Son returning um, for next season as well. So <laughs> it's right, right to err on the side of caution, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm the same. I, I would keep him. I think it's a necessity, but I think it's a symptom of the run of the football club for the last few years that we're having that conversation that, you know, we're all saying <laughs> six figures, you know, six figures that, you know, we'll keep him because he does a few things. All right. You know what I mean? When we're a football club who let Hatmos Rodriguez go, who was, I think it was on 180,000 a week. And that, that, that's, that's the comparison, you know, Hamas Rodriguez, if he's in 180,000 pound, you know, a week, we should be getting a lot more for, for 120 um, than what a Wobi can offer because you know I think I think really his stock rose purely because he started running around a bit more. Um, you know when he was doing things that others weren't, and I don't think that he's re- you know he yeah he's got a bit of quality, but for me it's <laughs> I, I I'm saying that we we need to keep him, but it's more through necessity. I don't think he's he is uh you know when you look at well when you look at Everton yeah that's where he is. He should be one of the top earners in that current squad, but. When you look at the world of football and what's on offer, there's there's much better out there for probably less money. Um, so I think, as I say, symptom of the run of the football club, we're going to have to keep him on on six figures. But really, if things were different, then you know I would be, I would be in agreement with Paul of what you said, Paul. That you know if if circumstances change and he's not in the team, you know you you do sort of. I think this is the time to to cash in where his stock is probably the the highest it's been in a long time. Well, you know, don't get me wrong, I, I like him. I think he's very useful to, to the team, as I said, defensively. But when you think a, a football club who let Hamas Rodriguez go on 180 grand a week, it would be quite galling to then to then keep Alex Awobi on north of 120. Um, so for me, you know, it's very important that we do keep him because, you know, is Sean Dyche going to be able to bring 10, 15 new players? You know, the list of problems that Everton have, Alex Iwobi is, is nowhere near in the top 100, is he? So, 
you know, let's be honest. That, that's where you need, <laughs> no, you know, exactly. that's where you need to keep them. But it is, it's just <laughs> the complexity of, of what's happened at Everton over the years is mm. where is where the question arises. Do you keep a player on, you know, north of 100 grand a week just because he's fairly capable? Um, but it's a difficult one. But yeah, I think, I think we do need to keep him. I think they will keep him and I think he'll be happy to stay at Everton. Um, but, you know, things can change and I'm sure, you know, he, he, he's a, he is one of those players that can, you know, he's got tricks and he's he can be effective and he can get assists and, you know, the occasional goal where, you know, he'd be a very attractive proposition for, you know, I've seen him linked to teams in Turkey. Um, you know, I think he should he could really do well for the, you know, as he, as he enters his 30s, you know, I think he's in his sort of late 20s now. That, you know, it might be that he looks and thinks, well, I'll go and play abroad for a bit or or that. So, yeah, I think, you know, he's still an important player to Everton, but <laughs> for where we want to be, I think there are better. He's 26. Wow, really? Yep, 27 in May, mm. yeah. Right, well, that changes things then. Well, maybe, yeah, that makes me think that he'd <laughs> want Yeah, that, that, makes, me, yeah, so that makes me think that he'd, you know, he'd want to be in the Premier League a little while longer then for at least another contract. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe it will be be easier to, to negotiate that with him. I thought you were going to say, oh, that changes things. Give him yeah. that 200 grand a week contract now. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Not from me. I suppose it depends on budgets in the summer. If, yeah. if, we, if we aren't able to bring in anyone else in that midfield, then there aren't many players at the club who can do what he can do when he's on his game. I mean, I'd love, I'd love him to score more goals. I'd like him to be much more clinical mm. in and around the box. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know. Just thought it was an interesting one, bit of a bit of a dilemma. Uh, but to finish off, uh, we'll we'll do our weekly question, uh, which was posed by Andy this week, and uh, no doubt inspired by Ellis Sims's late goal at Stamford Bridge, even though it wasn't a stoppage time goal. Uh, anyway, the question for this week is: What is your favourite Everton goal? Michael Thomas at Anfield doesn't count, sadly. Scored after the ninetieth uh, minute mark. Uh, can I start with a ninety plus three? Yes, uh, you may. This is January 2005. Uh, I was at Goodison uh, for this one, which is why it sticks out in my mind so much. Um, Everton against Portsmouth. When we were, oh, yeah. we were really thinking, my word, are we going to stay this high in the table for this long? Um, and it was one of those days where it could have just gone the other way. We went a goal up, Alan Stubbs, and then two minutes later, this really fine young striker called Yakubu scored a fantastic goal. Um, and it looked like it was just going to kind of dwindle away. And then 90 plus three, Leon Osman on the turn with his left foot at the Gladys Street end. And I'll always remember the goal because I was sitting in the park end and I very rarely sat in the park end. Um, and we were sitting near the front of it and the noise, I will never remember. I'll never forget that noise. It was just like a wall that was just from the Gladys street. It just kind of came towards you. Um, and we were kind of nicely behind it. So you could see him just swing and it was just a swing. I don't know whether Ozzy's left foot was ever that great. Um, it was just a swing on it really. And it just flew past the keeper um, and because of obviously it kept the momentum going and it was one of those years where we were winning 2-1, 1-0, 2-1 just kept the momentum going towards fourth um, and I, I think it, I remember 
like every, all the, all the players kind of celebrated, and they ended up in a it, like in a heap on the far side near the Bullens Road. And I remember there being like two separate pylons, and Everton players just kind of strewn like there'd been some kind of terrible accident. It was there was bodies everywhere. It was just <laughs> it was just brilliant. Um, I know we've scored a lot of last minute or injury time or ninety. 90 minute plus goals but that one will always stay with me and because just the noise and the the impact of that ball hitting the net is as if it set off some kind of firework it was um yeah really memorable and I was really glad I was there for that one Thomas Graveson's last game was it mm-hmm. yeah I didn't realize first, that first time round anyway <laughs> yeah <laughs> wow didn't realise that. I remember that because before the game, um, we signed James Beattie, I think, yep. before before That's kickoff. Right. And my mate, who we go the, still go the game with, um, he um, he said, oh, we should, should have signed that Yakubu lad. He'd be, he'd be a lot better than Beattie. And I was like, no, no, come off. Beattie's <laughs> a great player. And then obviously Yakubu showed us straight away what we could have got. And then obviously what we eventually did got for probably twice the money, we probably could have got Yakubu before then. But anyway, um, well, you know, kind of worked out. With your cube at the end. Um, mine's um, September 2010, um, Everton versus Manchester United. And uh, we were 3-1 down in injury time and then scored two in injury time. Um, Tim Kyle and then Michael Arteta. That was amazing in itself. But it's actually because of what happened. Um, Elle, if you've been in the Gladys Street round about the same time, you might recall this also coming out of the game. It was just a incredible <laughs> coming out of the match. And so... Obviously, we're all like, yeah, we think we lost the game. Then we come out, it's for the all. We're all buoyant. It, it feels like a win. And um, I come out of um, on uh, out of the Gladys Street and I'm walking up the road, up towards Goodison Road, and just traffic ahead. The foot traffic seems to stop a bit ahead of us. And you think, what the heck is going on up there? And everyone's laughing and everyone's joking. As you got a bit closer, some, I don't know how it happened. It must have been some sort of dare or something like that. There was a, a red Nissan Micro was halfway down, somehow halfway down the um, Gladys Street. And uh, you look inside, there was a guy in there in a full Liverpool kit. And, that, like, and everyone's like <laughs> rocking the car and like, that's <laughs> just like pounding on the uh, on, on the uh, the roof of the car and rocking it and all that. It was just absolutely hilarious. You just couldn't believe you coming out with like a last gasp equalised like the, you know, two, two, two injury time goals. So that was just one of the funniest sights I've ever seen. I just, just couldn't believe what I was seeing. Just, it was like something out of police academy seeing everyone like rock this like car <laughs> up and down. And it was just like, this is just hilarious. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. So that was, uh, yeah, that was, that was certainly my uh, most memorable one, put it that way. <laughs> I'll go for, I, I, I had a few to choose from, um, but just just because we've spoke about him at length, um, I'll go with Alex Awobis from last season. Um, oh. because it's oh, yeah. it's very rare that Everton score past the 90th minute, let alone the 99th minute. Um, and under those circumstances, I feel like our reaction at the time, uh, it, it might have been one of the first podcasts that I actually did, um, a lot of our reaction was still taken up with the... Um, the Allen sending off. We were, we were pretty incandescent with rage about that. And I feel like I that... still am. Yeah. Yes. It's... <laughs> Likewise. Um, God knows if we'd have drawn or even lost, but to it, it sort of overshadowed what was just a, a, a bonkers game of football and a fantastic finish. And if, if we are talking about 
wanting Alex Awobi to score more goals. The composure he showed then at such a crucial time. And I think the reason I choose it is because it didn't necessarily herald our our great escape because there were still those those bumps in the road, those awful, uncertain moments. And hopefully we don't leave it as long this season, but it does show the power of a good late goal um, because, I mean, we stayed up by four points. But those three points were huge. You could also, in turn, look at the um, Richarlison equaliser against Leicester as another uh, stoppage time goal that yep, ended up yep. making a massive, massive difference at the time. But um, yeah, we'll go with uh, Alex Awobi, five-year contract based on that uh, on that finish. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'll up. jump in there just because that was mine as well. Um, maybe a touch of recency bias, but I think it's perhaps the most emotional I've been after a, a, an Everton game, you know, notwithstanding things like cup final wins and back in the day, the 87 title win. But that was, um, that one just felt... Uh, enormous at the time uh, and, and as you say in retrospect it was one of uh, quite a few games that were instrumental in, in keeping us up um so yeah i think that was uh, that was mine other ones that have sort of come to mind were uh, early in the season obviously damari gray's winner against arsenal i mean that was just as uh, in terms of a, 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 the brilliance of the goal was better but i think the uobi one just for the, the the power of the the emotion of the occasion was mine for the Iwobi Newcastle game as well, did you know? Bit of a start. Whenever somebody handcuffs themselves or connects themselves to a goalpost, <laughs> Goodison, Everton actually win one nil. That is a proven fact because if you go back to uh, Man City, uh, I think it was a Liverpool fan. He was, I don't know what, I think it was his daughter worked for Ryanair and he was basically trying to get the message out that they needed more pay or there was a dispute and we went on to win that game one nil. So, if we're in a relegation trouble, I'm quite happy to tie myself to a post. I was going to say, is that you volunteering for, the, for, yeah. for April the 3rd against yeah. Spurs? <laughs> um, but I, seeing as I'm going last, I can I can pick two now because I know I'm not going to tread on any toes. But the, the two actually came within about a month of each other. There was the Andy Johnson goal against Arsenal in the, the hail um, at Goodison. That was just amazing that, you know, Arsenal were one of the still one of the top sides in the country at that time. And it was like a proper Goodison atmosphere that it was nil-nil. We get a corner right at the death. And then a month later, we were uh, one all with Charlton. Uh, Darren Benton scored in the 89th minute. Oh, and then yeah, the goal. ball comes out to James McFadden and he, he chips it over Major Baguera and just puts it in. And genuinely, if Lionel Messi had scored that, that would be in Lionel Messi's top 10 goals. Like, it was that good. Um, and just was that a stoppage that, time goal? Yeah, that was in the in the yeah in yeah, the uh, the ninety oh, wow. yeah yeah and I, well, I that would I, definitely be up there then. yeah so for that and I just remember the you know even if that had been scored in like the thirty second minute everybody would have been astonished but the fact that it was the winner and the fact that you know Everton you know you, you can imagine the crowd at that time they just conceded in the eighty ninth minute but you know you're behind the team trying to and. To have the composure to see the defenders, see where the goal is, and to to just have that skill and to get it in the net as well was just was just st- a stunning goal. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so they're two for mine that you know we're in the space of a month, and it, I think something you know we've seen with Sean Dyche, you know we've scored a late goal, and I know that people have been comparing Dyche's first day games with with the Moise, and I think there's something in that that you know if you're always in the game. 
there is greater potential for these last-minute heroics. So hopefully, you know, we'll have many more to look back on in a few seasons. One just um, to finish on, it's on... Um... So this one was really ironic because, obviously, as you mentioned, that now that you discussed it, loads of these like last minute goals are apparent, and that even though they were quite recent, I didn't actually think of too many of them at all. Actually, strangely, the first one that popped into my head was back in uh, it was actually nineteen ninety five, and Andy Hinchcliffe scored a last minute free kick away at QPR, mm-hmm. uh, which was a very important goal to sort of keep us uh, towards keeping us in the league. But the the reason I just wanted to mention that before we finish was because. Yeah, asked this question, Andy, because obviously Alice Sims got a late goal at the weekend, and um, that was on 18th of March, uh, 2023. Andy Hitch just got that last minute winner on 18th of March, 1995, which which was uh, just for quite ironic to a, a 3-2 winner, last kick of the game, free kick, Kurt Beauty, um, which was very important towards the survivor that season, and went on to win the FA Cup. But yeah, just thought that was worth worth a mention. And Paul, Andy Johnson against Arsenal was the 18th of March. Oh, Serious? Oh, there you go! Wow. <laughs> Thank you. But we've we've left a bit of an omission out as well. Can you remember the game at home to Tottenham, Yelovic? Yeah, mentioned that. I had yeah, that. Yeah, someone mentioned yeah. that one actually. Yeah. I'm sure that all one. the listeners will be thinking that one as well. And one we've discussed already: the Rodzinski one against Southampton. Oh yeah. That'll do us for this week. Uh, we, pl- we plan to be back next week to look ahead to the visit of Spurs, uh, either with Antonio Conte or not. Uh, so until then, Blues, enjoy the international break, and uh, we'll speak to you then. Up the toppies. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters sleek leather jackets fine jewelry and so much more with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands and they partner with factories that prioritize safe ethical and responsible manufacturing I love that Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.